Hi to my friends, and welcome into this week's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you're joining us here today. Father Anthony and I have a great show planned for you. We talk about fatherhood as we are celebrating Father's Day this coming weekend. I share one of maybe the silliest stories from my fatherhood that uh, I didn't know how to react to uh, here just this last week as we are in the middle of summer, and my kids are here all day, every day. We also talk about video games and carnivals and pity. It's a great conversation. We had an absolute blast recording it. We hope that you enjoy listening or watching. If you do, please hit subscribe wherever you are watching or listening so that you don't miss our next episode. We love you guys, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Father Anthony Scaramucci Sharapa. What's up, buddy? Oh, nothing much. Just, uh, you know, pre stuff mostly. Yeah. How's that going? It's going well. So this week, actually, last two weeks, our chaplain is on vacation. He takes care of the hospitals. And I have a newfound appreciation for all that he does because, like, every day we've gone to like anoint people then at the same time there have been like new people who have shown up with like emergency cases so we've been running back I mean, my pastor and i running back and forth from the hospital all week so i'm a little bit sleepy and when he gets back i'm going to one give him a gift basket and two forbid him <laughs> from ever leaving again no vacation for you good sir no but he does he does a great job i did i mean i knew he did a lot of work but just now I feel the work he does. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because one of the things that I was going to congratulate you on was that you made it through another uh, uh, late spring, early summer season of it hasn't been announced that you're being made a pastor anywhere. So Yay. <laughs> it's true. It's so good. I've heard nothing. So, you know, pray to God, fingers crossed that I stick around here for a long time because it's a good place. That's great. Yeah, I, I just had a few of my, my other... Uh, priest friends get get moved or mm-hmm. just find out the new assignment so that sort of thing so um one of them uh you know these measure trees that we're doing there's a, a priest who helps us out at the ones in louisiana and i called him the other day because we had just planned three more retreats for this fall and i was like hey could you help out because he's like 25 minutes from the house where we do the retreats at so it's like oh nice yeah you know i'm not saying it's easy for him to come but it's easier for him to come than most other people because he's like right sure, there right? Sure. young guy super cool and uh i called him i was like please tell me that you didn't get moved <laughs> and he's like no i didn't yeah. i'm like yeah Yay. he's like you know younger guy just been an associate for a, a while now so very <laughs> thankful whenever priests don't get moved because i don't think i've told you um our associate pastor is, is getting moved the one that we love who's on the show like two months ago he's he's oh, leaving wow. like this week yep. so we're all very sad but i'm very glad sad. that you are sticking where you are i'm surprised to hear that you've been busy because that's been kind of the theme of you know the last few months that you've come on the show is that you've been really busy so Typically, our time to catch up is the podcast. Uh, but I don't know if I don't know if my observance is true or not. Mm-hmm. But every time I look at my Xbox app, you are playing a video game. Uh, and I don't know if you have just, like to the point where it was like two o'clock in the morning here the other day, which means it was like three o'clock in the morning. I'm I'm hoping that you fell asleep and just left the game on and that you weren't <laughs> playing at like three in the morning. It seems like you've been playing a lot of video games recently, which you haven't over the last few months, uh, at least mm-hmm. at least it seems that way. So uh, I'm surprised to hear that you've been busy. Are you playing video games while uh, in the hospital, like blessing <laughs> no, people? <laughs> no, it's just, it's been kind of like, I've been like, that's been what I've been doing with my downtime. Um, and and that, that one night, I think uh, that was my day off. 
So I didn't have to wake up or anything. I just kind of got into a mode. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's been kind of both. I have been busy. Or I've been running around more, but I've also been the free time I have. I've been spending, spending it playing video games. Yeah. Well, good. That's that's good. I'm glad. Uh, we're going to be talking about video games here today because uh, we're celebrating two things this week. Uh, one of my favorite things and one thing that no one ever really cares about. One of my favorite things being this used to be the week of something called E3. Do you know what E3 mm -hmm. is? Yeah, it's electronic. Three electronics. Yeah, three electronics. Together. Electronics, electronics, electronics. Right? Location, 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 but for video exactly. games. Mm -hmm. So it, it used to be this, this yearly um, video game conference like at this time of the year it was held in LA every year. Actually, when I went to go visit LA at the beginning of last year for a retreat, I actually got to go to like the location where they host E3 and stuff. But uh, for years, E3 was kind of dying out because a lot of like these big video game publishers like Microsoft with the Xbox and PlayStation yeah. or Sony with the PlayStation, all these other people were like, this is costing us hundreds of thousands of dollars. We can go make our own and just kind of ride the same wave of like, this is video games week. So this is the yeah, week where yeah. like everybody announces all their new games and all their big updates for everything that they're doing over the next year or two. And COVID really like ultimately killed E3. So now it's yeah. just like a week where everybody still kind of agrees like, hey, we're going to make our announcements this week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. a big part of my last week has been watching these conferences, they, they usually last about an hour to hour and a half or so. And it's announcing these new games, doing deep dives into these other games. And there's a lot of like big surprises of like, oh, my gosh, they're making a Star Wars game. Oh, my gosh, they're making a new Assassin's Creed. Oh, my gosh. they're making and It's like all these things that I like have connections with all these other games that I love. And I'm like, this is going to be exciting for the next few years because, you know, like many things, uh, I have gotten excited about past years and then I played the games and they were terrible. So I need something else to be <laughs> excited about, you know? Uh, Hope springs are new. Exactly. So we're going to be talking about video games today, but we're also going to be talking about the holiday no one cares about, which is this coming Sunday, Father's Day. Wow. Um, that's brutal, but... <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's funny about the video game week, though. It's like, it's just when like summer starts and like there's like you know spring into summer and the video game companies are like don't go outside look right, at the exactly. video games <laughs> well for here in texas it's actually really helpful they're like don't go outside it's 115 degrees oh yeah, in the yeah. if you go outside you'll die yeah that's okay it's fair we don't get so, a whole lot of sunny days up here in pittsburgh so even in the summer yeah it's still usually cloudy uh it's a very cloudy city um, but the, the weather has been back and forth right now. is actually quite nice if it wasn't once again, cloudy and rainy, but the temperature wise, it's fine. I like how you're like, the weather here is nice. If it was something else, <laughs> that's the best compliment I can give the weather here. Most of the time, like, <laughs> it's like, hey, it could be worse. I guess if, ta if Taylor prayed an hour a day and went to confession every two weeks, he'd be a good Catholic. <laughs> Absolutely. See, it works. It's technically true. Uh, right side of things. I have I have a new a, a new a new term for you that I learned okay. from a, a friend of ours who just became a priest. Uh, at least yeah. I I know him pretty well. How how know how well do you know the artist formerly known as Deacon Carlos Hermosa, now Father Carlos? Oh, Father Carlos. He he was uh, he was on Twitter and 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 TikTok and such. Yeah, yeah, still is. <laughs> okay, <But> he, he <laughs> just became a priest like two weeks ago. And uh -huh. I learned that uh, because he just got his assignment and he's learning, you know, he's, he's been a, a, like legitimately a baby priest. Like the last two right. weeks, he's only been a priest. Brand new. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tweeted something the other day that I just learned is a salutation for priests that I had never heard before. Uh, he said, I'll only be referred to from here on out 
uh, from here on out as your reverence, which is a correct title for uh, a priest. Okay. Uh, but the funny one, the one that really got me, he thought that one was funny. I'm yeah. going to call you Reverend Sir from now on. Reverend Sir. <laughs> Reverend Sir is a is correct term for how to, yes, for how to address you know a priest. What? I, don't, I don't hate that at all. That sounds dope. It is. Uh, so on an envelope, you would write the Reverend Father right. Anthony Scaramucci, or S for Scaramucci, Shirappa, mm-hmm. uh, and then your local address. The salutation, the most formal, is your reverend, uh, your reverence. The next mm-hmm. one. The third one, I think, is what most people would say. Like, if I was writing you an email or writing or whatever, right? Like, yeah. we'd say, Dear Father Anthony, right? Like, that's yeah. just kind of a typical thing. But my favorite there is the other option, the second option, Reverend Sir. Excuse, that's how I'm going to, anytime we argue from here on out about something on the podcast, Reverend, Reverend sir, sir, please. Stop. Reverend <laughs> Sir. Excuse me, Reverend Sir. <laughs> I just stick your finger out. Excuse me. Um, that's fascinating. So, uh, fun in this story about like being called a reverend. Because uh, that's usually how you sign stuff, Reverend, and you know, types of that being formal. Um, I think, I think maybe Protestants call people Reverend. Catholics will not call a priest Reverend like out loud. Um, but when I first got to my first assignment, one of the first things you do is you sign a bunch of banking paperwork because they let me sign checks and for things, which is a stupid idea, but that's what they do. <laughs> and uh, uh, my pastor would always sign it Reverend, and so I, that's what I did. So I put the R E V dot on my signature. Stupid idea, because uh, Anthony Scaramucci Shirappa is a long name. And at this parish, I sign most of the checks. And my signature has degraded so much because so many letters. Now it's just a scribble. <laughs> the, the, the ladies in the office make fun of me, and it still takes forever. Even though it's just, like, scribbles. It's too long of a name to sign things. I should have cut out the reverend when I had the chance. But all the, the banking paperwork says reverend, so I have to at least, like, attempt to do it. I'm surprised that the checks are even being, you know, cashed with how terrible my signature is compared to when I wrote it down uh, when I did the first paperwork. I have a perfect solution for you to simplify okay. this. A lot of times when I, because I have really bad handwriting, so I'll either mm-hmm. do the like unknown scribble like you're talking about, yeah. or I'll use my initials T L S, and I'll write that mm-hmm. in cursive, right? Anthony yeah. Scaramucci Sharapa. You should just write the initials for that on every check. You know, that's an idea. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm picturing it now. Yeah, and just seeing a bunch of <laughs> checks. Oh, who signed this? Oh, oh Rev- no, <laughs> it's R E V dot A dot S dot S dot. <laughs> That's what a lot of people I think refer to me behind my back. Um, when I use too much incense and they don't like that, maybe that's what they, they refer to me. They, as. they get incensed with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though it's also, I mean, my my uh, my actual birth middle name is Raphael, and so it's A R S. Which is kind of like a, I don't know a Scottish way of saying that arse. Arse. <laughs> I was feeling like. Re- Rev Sir Arse. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I I, I think we just I, we didn't even plan on it, but we just solved problems there at your parish that you're dealing with every single day. We're making your life a little bit more efficient. We talked about efficiency last week. <laughs> exactly, and I think the uh, the the staff, the parish ladies down there, they will find that hilarious. They'll be big fans of that. Well, I'm I'm very happy that I could be of service to the yeah. to the little parish ladies uh, up in cloudy Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a little gift for the fathers that are that are listening because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a father. We're celebrating me. Y- you I'll also be- stole the name, even though you have no right yeah. to the title. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard something Stolen in the catechism. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A father with no. You know what we can, wait. Time you know what out. We call, time no, out. Wait. 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 I have, okay, I have okay. another way to uh, use a cuss word in your direction. So okay. 
we have a certain name that we won't say here that we call children where we don't know who the father is. Uh, I say mm-hmm. we use the same word for fathers who have no children. <laughs> Wait a second. I, I contend this, that what it took for me to become a father was way more difficult and way less fun than what it took for you to become a father. That is correct. So I think I, I think I have to, you know you didn't have to go to eight years of school to become a father, right? You just had to do that thing married people do. So I think it's okay that I get an extra title. I I have so many things to say to that, and I'm just gonna move like back to my notes so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Reverend sir, you need to calm Reverend down, sir. Reverend sir. <laughs> Uh, I saw a, a quote from the catechism, actually from the you know the good old Father Mike Schmidt. So it was a, uh, but I'm it, speaking of stolen valor. This episode mm-hmm. where he talks about this catechism first doesn't come out for like three months, but I'm talking about it now, so I'm beating him to the punch. Wow, that's I perks just, of being an editor, right there. I just ha- yeah, I just <laughs> happened to edit it. Uh, but I mean, he didn't write the catechism, so I could quote it. It's not like I'm giving. That's right. Away, it's not right? just belonged to him. Catechism fifteen oh one. This is for all the dads out there. Illness can lead to anguish, self-absorption, sometimes even despair and revolt against God. And if that's not how, if that's not a catechism passage for how dads feel when they're sick, I don't, like, this is the time that I was reading the catechism and I felt most seen by the church. Illness can lead to anguish, self-absorption, sometimes even despair and revolt against God. That's how I feel every time I get a common cold. <laughs> every time you get a sniffle, you shake your fist at the almighty. How dare you, reverend sir. <laughs> reverend sir, Lord. That's very funny. <laughs> Uh, so I, that, that's just a happy father's day from, from me and from the, uh, the, the not father, father, uh, Anthony Scaramucci, <laughs> Scaramucci, Scaramucci, I can't even say, I have so many titles for you now. I'm getting confused. <laughs> it's great. I love it. More titles are better. It makes me sound important. Uh, so because you are a father without children, I have mm-hmm. a, uh, I have a, what would you, it's, it's a, this is a morality thing, right? We're going to talk about okay. the morality of video, video games here in just a little bit, but I yeah. want to talk to you about the morality of being a father. Um, you know, in a way that you most likely have not experienced before, mm-hmm. because it's something that I've been a father. So it's always interesting. How do you think I should do the math? I've been a father for, you know, if we're pro-life, almost 11 years because my son's older than 10. Right. So. Yeah. But anyway, 10 to 11 years, I've been a dad. But mm-hmm. I, I like to say that I have been a father for my 10 year olds age, plus my eight year olds, plus my five year olds. Do you see any validity in that? Uh, see, I think, I mean, once you increase the, the child count, I think you, you get more credit. you know, it's like, it's weighted more, uh, but I don't think you can add up the years. So it's 11 years, but when you say how many children are, it's, it's like worth more, right? It's like weighted more than that, but I don't think you can add up those years. I got you. So I can't add them completely, but there's some kind of algorithm where like the second Absolutely. child's years one through two is like, a, it's like 1.2 times the years. About yes. You get, you get extra credit for more kids. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So anywhere from 11 to 25 years of parenting that I have under my belt. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's sometimes you can just like, just, you can like throw both kids in a room and lock the door and that's easy, right? You took care of both of them. Isn't that what parents do when they're tired of their kids? Just lock them in a basement or something. Yeah. Especially in like, those that's not hard. Years zero to two. I mean, that's you just do that a lot. Right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I had I had an experience like n- it's not even like I had an experience similar to this ever. This is a brand new experience. So 
uh, we're going to put you in, in the mind of, of a real father. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you don't have to keep putting it that way, but all right. Sure. Okay. I was like, when I said it that time, I was like, that one felt like I was piling on a little bit. Like, I felt like it was fine until then. But anyway, um, everyone take a little a little walk in my in my uh, house shoes here first. For okay. a moment. We were, my wife and I were watching uh, the television show Barry. Have you heard of Barry? No idea. Okay, so uh, speaking of morality of video games and stuff, uh, the morality of Barry is very ambiguous at best. It might be mm. just me, but it's essential. Did you ever watch Dexter? Or you heard of Dexter? Most yeah, yeah, I watched Dexter. Dexter. Yeah, the so serial he was like, killer who kills serial killers. Yeah, exactly, a serial killer, but with a code. You know, he's actually, you know, how much morality can you have when you're killing only bad people? You're cleaning out the streets, but you're also killing. So that you're was like an interesting doing murders. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, doing one. You know, breaking one of the Ten Commandments, but it's for the law. <laughs> yeah, that uh, doesn't work, but okay. Uh, Barry's pretty similar. It's Bill Hader's kind of take on that, but just a little bit more comedic because it's Bill Hader and he's the main actor and he directs it and all this kind of stuff, right? Sure. So we're watching that show, which is ending. Uh, so much of my TV shows are ending. Succession uh, just ended. Barry just ended. Ted Lasso just ended. Everything in my life that I love is ending. It's very sad. Um, yeah. But we were watching Barry and we were in the final episode like ever. Like we we were watching it on like uh, during the day because it's kind of dark and so my wife didn't doesn't like watching dark stuff in the dark so we like you know the big finale was Sunday night we had to wait till like you know Monday morning or whatever yeah right? <laughs> so watch it at night. yeah it's funny. we're sitting there during one weekday Monday or Tuesday morning and uh, it's right we watched the second to last episode in the morning and it was right around lunchtime. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting here. I mean, we mentioned it's Texas, and it's very hot. So, like, I'm not fully clothed. Um, you know, maybe wearing some shorts or something. That's about it, right? Uh, we get a knock on the door, which, like, this is our TV room. And our, the, the door is, like, right, right next there. to us, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I looked at my wife. I'm like, who is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> who is here on a random <laughs> random day? At, Nobody knocks you know, on doors randomly anymore. Right, it's not exactly. thing that happens. It's like you have to text somebody and, like, say, yeah. like, hey, I'm here, right? Well, anyway, we're sitting here. Watching the show, the kids are over in the other room. You know, Chris is playing Fortnite like always. That girls are doing whatever they do for fun. I don't mm -hmm. know. Uh, <laughs> and we get this knock, and it's our neighbor with her daughter. And she's, we open the door, and we're like, "Hey!" And she's like, "We we're here for the talent show." And we're like, "What talent what? show?" <laughs> and then no, she I mean, goes, "Are you are you still shirtless at this time?" Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are <laughs> so, you like rubbing your belly as you talk to them? Just give them a yeah, little. <laughs> yeah, like, like a Buddha, you know. Uh, no, like like when the door when the door gets knocked on, like I yeah. go to the other room, I go put a shirt on, and then I come back, right? No. And I'm hearing like like oh, well, you texted us to invite us over here. I'm like, we, we, we didn't though. <laughs> Let me go over to the other room, and we're immediately like Maggie. <laughs> Maggie had gotten on Sam's phone, our eight-year-old, who's wow. like probably our easiest kid to parent, like just super mm. sweet and not, they're all sweet, but like yeah. she, she also is like the most independent. Like she'll just do her own thing. She'll make her own lunch. She'll find her own games to play. She'll just read a book. Like she create, yeah. like she's just kind of on her own more than the other two kids. And she had taken it upon herself to text our neighbor <laughs> as Sam. Like, not saying, like, hey, this is Maggie. Can you come over for a talent show? She texted her as Sam. Hey, Maggie is doing a talent show. Can y'all come over this afternoon? And then my friend, who's an adult, like, a year older than me, yeah. responds, like, yeah, sure, we can come over. The The girls are taking a nap, but but I can come over with my oldest at 2.30. Maggie, as Sam. Great. We'll see you then. Uh, and, like, 
it was ridiculous. This so is my, amazing. My eight-year-old invited another parent over without my knowledge on Sam's phone as Sam, which is lying, right? And she's impersonating really somebody lying. else online. She's already catfishing people at eight years old. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm in the middle. Like, we have 20 minutes left in this finale of this show. It's four, oh, yeah, right. Like, a decade worth of buildup to this moment. Now I have to pause the show. And here's the moment of what do I do? So yeah. I'm not going to say what I did, but you're me in this scenario, right? Yeah. What do you do at this moment? How do you handle this? Because these people are here for this yeah. talent show. We had already told Maggie earlier in the day, we knew she was doing a talent show. For, we just thought it was for us. We didn't know there was going to be an audience, right? She was like, hey, we'll do it at 2.30. I'm like, that's perfect. That's when our show will be over, all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, what do you do as a, as a dad for this Father's Day weekend in this moment? I mean, I'm just so impressed. I think it's time to go watch a talent show. Like, there'll be punishment <laughs> later, but like, come on. All that ever, that's just, I, I'd be too impressed to be angry. I'm so baffled by the situation. It's like, all right, kid. <laughs> Let's see what you got. Let's see what talents you have, right? You already have a talent of like stealing a phone and impersonating your mom. Impressive for an eight-year-old. What 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 else should you what is she going to do to top that? I'm too curious not to find out. And then later there's consequences. But also okay, like what are you gonna do? Like kick out like the kid and the parent. I guess you could, but it's I think that's the least awkward thing to do is to go watch your eight-year-old's talent show. Maybe that's what I would do. Uh here was here was where my decision making. I'm not gonna say what I did yet, but here's where my decision making was. Because Sam looks at me and she goes, "What are we gonna do?" Right. I, is, I, I, I take 15 seconds of of silence. 15 seconds of silence, where <laughs> everyone is staring at me. My daughters are staring at me. Chris realized something was happening. Paused yeah. Fortnite. You know, came over here. He's watching. Oh my gosh. My so my, my wife is watching. My my next door neighbor, who's one of my lifelong friends, her daughter is watching, and everyone's staring at me for the longest 15 seconds of my life. <laughs> and I have to make a decision on what's going to happen because yeah. you did mention that kicking out my friend and her daughter is awkward, but we're close enough where it wouldn't have been like super awkward. Okay. Yeah. You've been okay. Yeah. But you also have to realize how angry I am at this moment. So watching a talent show in anger with my neighbors is also very awkward. <laughs> fair. Very fair. As you like stare down your eight year old. with <laughs> right. uh, So the eight year old who I'm not mad at, but like, the six-year-old, five-year-old is also going to be participating in it. So I don't want to like ruin it for her. I don't it's, right. it's I don't know. I'm screwed at this moment. And I don't it's know what to no right win. Thing it's to definitely do. Yeah. a no win. Yeah. So here's what I do. I think I ended up choosing both. Uh cooler heads uh prevailed. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, y'all come on in. We set up for the talent show. They started <laughs> they started playing like two or three songs where my, my five-year-old is performing first and she does like two or three songs, which yeah, man, it's like, that's 10, a long minutes, time. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's like dancing and singing to like songs. She only knows the chorus too. So the verses are like the most awkward thing in the world because we're all Amazing. just staring at her staring at us. And Maggie just won't make eye contact with us. because she's terrified. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then finally Felicity's, is done and i'm like okay i think we're done with felicity felicity come here and she's all excited she comes and sits with me right and then <laughs> maggie starts and she starts doing this song that's like not inappropriate like it's a song that we play in the house a lot yeah. but not necessarily a song i want my daughter performing for the neighbors <laughs> it's not like this inappropriate 
but it's like yeah. pop song inappropriate. You know what I mean? Like it's not right. cursing. It's not like all yeah. about. But there's some innuendo stuff in there that maybe the kids understand, maybe they don't. But it's like super awkward to sit there. So she does that song, and I tell her halfway through. Now I'm like the anger is starting back. Cooler heads prevailed early. Angry yes, heads yes. Uh, reared their heads later. Uh, I told her to stop halfway through that song, pick a different song because it was awkward. Then she does her <laughs> next song. And then I said, the, f- the song ends, and I, f- I finally just go, I think this is over now. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Our neighbors leave. You know, they're, they're like, okay, you know, whatever. That was fine. It was, she thought it was hilarious, right? That Maggie yeah, yeah, of course. Her, right? um, I'm, I'm sitting there. I, I feel super awkward. Sam feels super awkward. Felicity's having the time of her life. Maggie has no idea because she's been building up to this day or to this moment all day. She's been practicing all day for this talent show. Like it was going to be this sweet moment. I thought for the family, right. Of like, (laughs) Hey, Maggie and Felicity are preparing for this. It's the middle of summer. What are we going to do? Right. They prepare for the talent show all day. They perform it in the middle of the day. It would have been a great little thing. And then all of a sudden she ruins it by inviting the neighbors and making me angry. So (laughs) it was just, I felt very odd, like doing the right thing. I feel like the right thing at first. And then, halfway through being like this isn't who i am i have to be angry (laughs) (laughs) you were so close you're so close to saving the moment couldn't quite do it (laughs) yeah so she got grounded um her 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 punishment was to go um she she sleeps in the top bunk of the bunk beds her punishment was to go into her bunk beds with no books which was like killer for her and like no toys until Mm -hmm. our show was over I came and watched the last 20, 25 minutes of Barry, and that was her punishment. <laughs> there is a there's a sense of justice in that somewhere, I think. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny where I was like, I neither of these options are good, so I'm going to choose both of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You kind of went halfway one, halfway the other. Mm-hmm. But uh so- that's I mean, that's going to be a story your family will remember forever, though. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, it's just so, so silly. So um, that is crazy, crazy that she did that. It's I amazing. Mean, going through the text later on, was just, <laughs> it was just unbelievable. Like she like it was like a five text each person thread. Like this eight year old is texting a 34 year old. I think she's 34. You know, yeah. my, my friend for over a decade. And they have a full on conversation. Which. Might say something about the grammar that my wife used to text, but I'm not going to get into that. Here. Yeah, let's not touch that. <laughs> so anyway, happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs> was she aware? Like, did you talk to her afterwards? Was she aware of what she was doing? Like, she, like, I, did she know she was, was she trying to be? I don't know. That's just odd. I mean, I was confused as to, like, I knew she did something wrong. I wasn't quite sure how to explain it. I was yeah. like, I, I was like, I think it's lying. You're proposing as someone else. I was like, what am I going to explain catfishing to her? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> no, so I'm like, you're that. lying. Like, talking as somebody else and doing something without your parents' permission is lying. So that's fair like, enough. That, yeah. yeah. So, you can't, and you can't use your mom's phone to text her friends. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's illegal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, sit in time out, and I'm going to go watch Barry kill a bunch of people. Now, t- yep. Take that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Impressive, so, though. I'm going to say I'm, I'm still impressed. Yeah, it's quite the scheme. It was unbelievable. I'm like, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I like, like you were saying, like, it's impressive, but it's also incredibly annoying. As her father. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's my Father's Day story. So uh, 
It's a great one. Re- Reverend fan. Sir, I think I think we finished our first segment here. But, uh, what, whenever we come back, we're going to talk about the morality of video games. I just made a decision in a video game that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to be Catholic anymore. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> That's exciting. Our planning for this fall's two men's retreats and our first ever women's retreat is well underway. We're so excited uh, that this is a, a new part of our ministry where we take uh, four days, Thursday through Sunday, and it's like half retreat and half spending time with uh, respectively either other Catholic men or Catholic women at the men's and women's retreats. Um, people have really been enjoying them. I think we've done three or four of these men's retreats already, and they've been great. Uh, th- we are hosting all of the ones this fall in a small little town in in southern louisiana if you're interested in uh, being a part of it let us know and i can give you some more details um we are starting to branch out to like other people that we know might enjoy this like listeners of the show so we hope that uh uh, some of you can make it down to southern louisiana uh, for a weekend this fall and come on retreat with us it's a very forte catholic in style it's about half uh prayer and faith stuff and half hanging out playing games uh, having a few drinks and that sort of thing. So uh, if you want uh, more information, just shoot me an email, taylor at or hit us up on any of our social medias. Uh, we're really looking forward to these retreats and hope that you, some of you can join us. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Reverend Sir Blank Blank <laughs> from last, that last segment. Uh, have you ever played the video game Assassin's Creed? Oh, yes. I've played a couple, a few of them, a handful of them, I think, yeah. There's a lot of them, right? So there's what, so many, yeah. I literally like right before we hit record on this. I actually, it's actually pretty. I mean, it's always nice whenever we can find a time to record. But mm-hmm. like, we scheduled this recording in the middle of me watching one of these co- video game conferences. Like, oh I, wow! I, I actually paused the conference to talk to you, so you should feel very special. I feel uh, very special. Uh, but they were actually announcing the new Assassin's Creed. And like, for whatever reason, a lot of video games that I've been trying just haven't really been like getting their claws into me. Like they haven't really been sticking. Like I've been playing for like an hour or two and then I like yeah, move yeah. on, which is like weird for me. Cause I'm such a completionist where I'm like, I play a game. I'm going to finish it. Even whether it's a 10 out of 10 game or a five out of 10, I just have to beat it because I started it. Right. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason over the last month or so, nothing has really gotten its claws into me, but I, I was like, okay, I finally sat back. Like, what am I excited? Like, what am I looking forward to playing? And one of the games that I'm most looking forward to is the new Assassin's Creed game that's coming out this fall. And so I was like, well, what am I? What am I going to do until then? Well, I was like, well, I played Assassin's Creed One, which came out in like 2007 or wow, eight. That's a tough one eight. to put, replay. Yeah, it's like really, really, really old. So I replayed that one a few years ago, and then I played all the new ones. I think you and I actually played the Viking one essentially at the same time. We did like the we Viking talking, we, one. I've done the pirate one. The pirate one's great. Revolutionary War one. I haven't done that one. Uh, and then the first one, I think, were the ones I played. So I had done pirate one oh, is great all three of the new ones and then i did the pirate one which which is really fun and then i played the first one but i hadn't played like even though they're like named differently like three is actually the fifth one that came out but essentially i hadn't played like sure. the second through like fifth game that it that, that it played or that, that that released so i was like i want to go back and play this game and essentially uh it's like it's like open world you're, you kind of you know uh, it's it's made by Ubisoft, and like all Ubisoft's games are like the same now. They're coming out with a new Star Wars game in the style of like Assassin's Creed or like a Watch Dogs, or whatever. Very open world. You climb up buildings, you find points. It opens up th- tasks for you to do. You go do those tasks, and then there's like a story that. And the tasks are usually murder. 
Yeah, 100% usually murder, right? Uh, so I, when I played the first game, like you mentioned, it's old. Now I'm playing the second game, and it's one of those things where I was like, I'm enjoying the story, but it's mm-hmm. old enough that it's like I am, I may or may not be cursing at my TV because like old games control very different than modern yes. games. Yes, to where is. like I am right here, and I'm on this building, and I think I'm going to jump to that building that's five feet away. Mm-hmm. And I do what I think is going to do that. And instead, he jumps completely to the right and down a 280-foot <laughs> chasm and dies. And I just lost, like, 15 minutes of playtime because there's no automatic saves. Like, Master it makes Assassin. me so angry. <laughs> yes. That's the worst. When, like, you, like, you're playing a cool character with all these skills and you do something dumb. That's why it was so <laughs> tough for me to play that Batman game. Eventually, I'll come back to it. Because, like, the idea of Batman in my head, he's super cool. And, like, I'm getting punched by a bunch of thugs and, like, dancing around awkwardly. I I can't stand it when a cool character doesn't do cool things because you're bad at the game. It drives me nuts. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, very, very, very frustrating. I was, like, to the point where I'm, like, this guy's a master assassin. I'm six foot two with 280 pounds. I could have made that jump. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just very annoying. I was like, I can't do 98% of the stuff he can do in these games, right, right, but right. I could have done that. And yeah. he decided to jump the other way. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's some frustration, but there's also like one of those things is like, if I'm ever going to play these through and it's kind of what I wanted to play. So for the most part, I'm, I'm enjoying the experience, but uh, one of the things that was revolutionary in this game, which is ironic because the next game's about the American Revolution, but not this, not this huh. one. Uh, revolutionary in this game was uh, like that you had like a home base that you could build up. Like almost oh, every cool. game kind of has that now, but we're talking yeah. like 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So um, you essentially, you're, you're this guy and you're, you're an assassin. You're in this, in this order where your job is to like kill the really, really bad and corrupt people so that people mm-hmm. can live free. Essentially, it's like the bad guys are like the uh, Illuminati or whatever, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not actually what they are, but it's like the most like quote unquote real life cop we have, right? Like, or at least most common thing. Um, but uh, there, there's some issues, like you mentioned one, there's some murder. There's some other issues about who we're actually fighting against, but this was this all. I want to start with where this all culminated for me, where it had me second guessing everything I've ever done in a video game ever. Uh, I was doing the like base building part. So you become an assassin. You realize that your dad was a secret assassin and he dies. And you're taking up like his mantle or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then, but you don't know what to do. You know how to run away at the beginning of the game, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, but then you learn that your uncle is also one of these tr- highly trained assassins. That's like essentially like a Batman, right? Like they're, they're fighting the crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Uncle's uncle's training you, and uncle has this like very like uh like f- he lives in like the famous family house right mm-hmm. where it's this huge mansion and we're talking like I think it's like the eleven hundreds and it's all in Italy like these beautiful landscapes and they live at the top of this hill I, I mean and it's just an absolute mansion especially for that time but. Yeah. He didn't have a ton of money, so it was a little bit run down. So you come into town, and the more like contracts you do, the more money you get, and the more things that you can build up, right? Well, the way that I play video games is I do like every side mission that I can before mm-hmm. I move forward on the main story. And this is clearly Absolutely. part of the main That's story, right? The only way to do it. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I think you're like, if you just did the main story, you'd arrive at this place with like three thousand dollars with Florins or Florentines, whatever they yeah, called yeah. money back then, right? Whatever but, Italian money was back then, <laughs> right? Uh, three hundred pasta noodles. You right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a five tomatoes. I can buy a whole house. Oh. <laughs> uh, that makes like throwing tomatoes at somebody at the play. Like I used to like ha- a, f- yeah, a fifth of yeah. a house out of you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, but I had a ton of money by this point, right? So it says like, oh, 
here's your build your base and you can build it up and the more things that you like build up it's not just like the house but it's also like the little town that's like it's all like it's your little fiefdom right your little hamlet yeah, yeah, yeah. right uh, so the more things that you build up, the more money that you'll actually make from the city. But then like, if you, if you build up like the, the, um, blacksmith or whatever, you can buy, buy weapons from him at a cheaper rate. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Right. But I have so much money at this point uh-huh. that I don't really have to like go through all the options and pick which ones that I want to do. I can yep. essentially just start at the top and just go you down. have 10 whole tomatoes. So you can <laughs> right, renovate exactly. the whole place. <laughs> So I'm just going to, even after realizing what I did, okay. I, uh, I looked at this list and there's no rhyme or reason to this list, but right. I went through and the art, the art merchant, the bank, the blacksmith, the doctor, and the tailor all have like three levels of upgrade that you can do. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm just going through and I'm like, I'm going to do level one and I'm just going to do level one on his every on everything as I can. Right. So I do the art merchant level one, the bank level one, the blacksmith level one, the doctor level one, the tailor level one. I reopen the brothel. I reopen the mines and now I'm out of money. And the next thing that I can renovate is the church. I rebuilt the brothel before I rebuilt the church. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think I could be Catholic anymore. I was so broken by this. I was out of money and I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> I didn't read. I didn't plan. I was just going through the list. And it's now just my alphabetical t- order. Oh no. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't even oh, alphabetical. No. And like that, that's oh. why I was like, oh, it was just alphabetical. I can feel good. No, it's art merchant, bank, blacksmith, Dr. Taylor. That's alphabetical, right? Mm-hmm. But then it goes brothel, mines, church, military barracks. Like that's not even an alphabetical order. So now my town, my little hamlet, I spent all this money to renovate the brothel and they have nowhere to go to confession after. No. What have no, I done? No. You you you've built a church of the flesh, a den of <laughs> I sin. Have. I have. And you've damned the souls of your uh little video game NPCs to probably eternal hell, let's be honest. Yeah. Um yeah. For the record, you know, you said you're upgrading uh, the tailor. You're you're already tailor level 3 to me, buddy. Oh, you, thank you're you. You're already up, you're fully upgraded. <laughs> That's very kind of you. I, know. Uh, I didn't expect this random kindness in the midst of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I thought you were going to do something. Because the thing with the Assassin's Creed games, because I've played them enough, and they are like pretty anti-Catholic in like, their philosophy go deep enough to it, which yep. I have found it fascinating, because I like to figure out what the world thinks of the Catholic Church. Because a lot of it's built around, like, this is freedom and chaos versus order and slavery. And a lot of times, not every member of the Catholic Church is a part of this order, but like a lot of them are. Like all the head shot, big shots are. I thought you were going to go somewhere with that. This well, is I was. Ga- <laughs> I was telling a story, and there were uh, there there were multiple levels to the story. And I okay. thought we'd stick where we were in the story, but you know we could keep. Fair enough. I thought the brothel thing was the culmination. You know, <laughs> no, so that's no, no, what I was no. going <laughs> with that. I mean, very upsetting. Um, yeah, so you're off to a terrible start. Um, you definitely need to murder more people so you can build the church. Because like we know as Catholics, the ends justify the means. So just go murder some people, steal all their tomatoes, build the church, and you'll be forgiven. I think that's probably good Catholic moral theology. Well, I will. I will. Um, I'll actually connect uh, what I was talking about to what you jumped forward talking about. Okay. I couldn't have what, what I needed to do immediately. There was only mm-hmm. one way to rectify the situation. Right. I needed. I need the the church cost. 4,000 tomatoes, and I needed to go find yeah. 4,000 tomatoes as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. The next big way to get that kind of money was to do the next story mission. The next story mission 
was going to murder a corrupt priest and then finding out that it was actually the bishop that had corrupted him. So the next the next thing was to go kill a bishop. So mm-hmm. uh, in order, in order, and it's justifying the means, by the way, yes. in order to build the church in the non-corrupt place, mm-hmm. I had to go kill a corrupt priest and a bishop. So I'm just digging myself an even bigger hole as I'm trying to do the right thing of going back on this brothel before the church thing. <laughs> the sad thing is I think there's a lot of a lot of Catholics out there who'd be like, I, I see no problem with that. There's there's right. plenty of bishops who would like to be gone, right? Isn't that like <laughs> But that's not okay. It's not okay, even though, you know, it's okay to be upset, but you can't go around murdering people. Yeah, yeah. Um that's a tricky situation as far as uh that's you know, when it comes to stuff like that in video games is when I kind of detach from it and look at it more of a study of how the world views the church and morality and things. I think from that perspective, it's very helpful in being aware of where the culture is because a lot of culture now is expressed through video games. You have, you know, a lot of these people who are designing these games are more or less our contemporaries, maybe a little bit older. um, And you begin to see all the errors and what they think the church is. I think there's something of value to that, you know? Um, but I think if somebody was encountering that in a game and didn't want to play it, that's that's okay too. It's like, you're not obligated to dive into anti-Catholicism or anything like that. Like I talked about like in, in um, one of the most important books I read in seminary, other than the Bible, of course, but one of the most important ones was Nietzsche. And studying him was incredibly helpful to my understanding of the world and how it thinks and why people are the way they are. Um, so I think if you approach things level-headedly, stuff like that's fine. Um, there's probably, I mean, I think there's definitely a line in video games as well. Um, but yeah, so that, those, that's my thoughts. Um, it's a high price. It's a high price to pay for tomatoes. Yeah, very much, very much so. I was it was just one of those things of the I didn't I wasn't even looking at like how much money I had left. I was just going down and just going click 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 click. And then I just, didn't know there was a moral oh, choice in this. Man, I was oh, just doing man. game mechanics. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, but it, it was the second thing that I was going to talk about was was the the idea that like in all these Assassin's Creed games there is a lot of the corruption. It's in anywhere that has a seat of power. So, like, what were the seats yeah. of power in a little 1100? It was right, right, the, yeah. the government and the church, right? So where's <laughs> where are the most corrupt people from? And there are great priests in, in the game. There are great government officials mm-hmm. in the game, right? And a lot of times it's like, because it's it's power, so it's power fighting power. So a lot of times there's right. powerful people in the church that are good and powerful people in the, in the governments that are good, right? Um, but... Yeah, like ultimately the way that, that that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Like when the church is used in art, which it like video games, movies, TV or whatever, uh-huh. it's like that not only is like this is the world's study of it, but it's like there's there is some truth and reality to this. Sure. Right. Yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like uh where it's like, yes, I shouldn't go around murdering priests or bishops that, that like aren't <laughs> representing the church well, but there is something to being okay in being angry at them or being upset with them, right? Um yeah. And like this may be a healthy way to get rid of that <laughs> anger so that I don't use it in real life. Right. But that leads me to my next question of like, because I think even, even though video games are the biggest medium in the world, like the biggest entertainment things ever, like video games make more than like the biggest movies every single year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more people 
especially the, probably listen to the show and like our, our age, or maybe not our age, but a, a little bit older, are more familiar, like watch more TV and, and watch more movies than they do play video games, right? Sure. And I think there is something that I've been thinking about how like where when I'm watching Barry, I could say a lot of the similar things that we've seen of like, yeah. I don't I don't agree with what he's doing, but this th- it brings up a lot of interesting moral questions for me to ponder and to think about um, seeing this kind of badness like helps me to see the light a little bit more. It helps me to see the good characters a little bit better. But when I'm watching TV or watching a movie, I have made one choice or maybe one continual choice of I'm going to watch this movie or I'm going to watch this TV show, right? I am not Barry making the decisions to kill people. Like Succession was one of the most popular TV shows. It just ended and it's popular because like essentially what it was is like, this is what happens at the, this is what people become at the, when, when they win capitalism. Like when they have so yeah. much money, they become terrible, terrible human beings, right? Yeah. Um, so they're seen as like, yes, they live lavishly, but it's not, it's not everything. And that's one of the big, right. like it's essentially like the flaws of American royalty, like the richest mm-hmm. people in the world, right? Um, and it's interesting for people to watch. But even when I'm watching Succession, when I'm watching Barry, when I'm watching whatever, I am making the the choice to watch that TV show, and people could s- to disagree with me and say I shouldn't be, but I made that one choice. But it's yeah. different with video games because when I'm playing a video game, I have to push a button and make the choice literally to put a knife through the heart of a bishop, right? Yeah. Or I have to make the choice to <laughs> yeah. even even if it was accidentally build a brothel before I build a church. And in, in in, like <laughs> mm-hmm. I am making these all these little minute choices throughout the way, where so it's a little bit. I'm a little bit more engaged. I'm a little bit more active. While TV shows are a little bit more passive, even though yes, I did choose to watch it, right? So sure, do you sure. think there's a difference in the morality between video games and like TV or movies, where I am more actively engaged? in doing these like what would be sinful if i was committing them in real life right mm-hmm. yeah i think the, the danger in them is is in both of them whether it's active or passive and the danger is in normalizing evil for us um and so maybe there's a different way in which that happens in video games but i would i think it's the same sort of caution um because if you absorb a lot of stuff without having a clear head without examining it that sort of thing if you're just kind of passively absorbing something or a lot of times even though video games are active we kind of lose ourselves in them there's something like we've all had the experience of like oh i'm gonna play for a half hour and all of a sudden it's two hours later there's something passive about that um and if you look at yourself and realize that it it, it can not necessarily always but it can have a degradating effect on your own morality if you're not examining what you're doing if you're not also doing all the other good things in the, in the spiritual life, you know, um, if you just consume all this without thinking, that's the danger for me. You know, if you didn't realize that, oh my goodness, I built a problem for a church, you know, <laughs> if you just like, ah, oh, that's fine. Like, but then you, you, you connected it to real life. And so you keep those realms separate. So it becomes um, less dangerous that way. Now, if somebody was just like, um, I think especially this does happen for people who don't have the Catholic faith and dive into all these things. It is forming their minds. It is forming their consciences. It's forming their morality. That definitely does happen. Even if they're not going to run around stabbing bishops, it's going to affect the way they see bishops. You know, um, They're going to connect those experiences to their real life experiences. Uh, so that's the big thing for me is that are you examining these things? Are you keeping level head? Um, are you approaching them the right way? Um, and if you do, I think there can be benefits to these once, of course, you know, leisure storytelling. Um, and it is in a lot of ways, not all games, but a lot of them are art. And I'm reminded of um, what Flannery O'Connor, Catholic uh, artist, uh, wrote in a little essay 
people were asked because I've heard books and stories that like gruesome and ugly. There's violence, but all of her stories are about grace. And uh, someone asked her about the index, which is um, the list. What was the list of banned books? And was she ever worried about? Did the church stifle her creativity because of this index thing? She said, "It's not my job to worry about that. It's my job to portray truth." And if the church says that one of my books is not good, great. The church has done me a service. There's something about good art where it portrays the truth, which is also good and it's bad, and sometimes it's ugly. And so you see, like, yeah, there are corrupt bishops. Um, there uh, are good bishops. There are, like, if art is portrayed well, if it's examining the world as it is and giving us a different perspective on it, that can be a helpful thing. Like, I, I really appreciated uh, Breaking Bad, the series. I thought it was incredibly in a way, a moral series. You saw someone go from a good man to a very bad man, and he dies alone with his drugs. Like, that was a moral story. Um, there's a lot of violence in between, but it kind of showed you the consequences of evil. So even if art is, like, not Catholic or anti-Catholic, if it's trying to be good art, if it's trying to portray reality, there's something that we can learn from it. That being said, if you're aware that you're sensitive to those sort of things, then you don't need it. You're right. this, video games are not a need. As much as I play them all the time, they're not a need, right? So if it doesn't work well for you, then don't worry about it. Right. There's uh, my rant. Yeah, for sure. That's very good. It's, it's a good rant. I, um, I, the more that we've, we've talked about this, even though we started talking about video games, uh, the more I keep thinking about Succession because it was just so many people latched onto it. And it was just really, this really interesting thing of like people, what the show does very well is it constant it's this it, it's incredible writing and incredible acting where it constantly makes you fall in love with these characters and then 30 minutes later reminds you how how much you should hate them yeah and it does that for four seasons where you're mm -hmm. like i'm rooting for this person i'm rooting for this person and you're like wait a second they killed somebody and got away with it at the end of season one and then you're like rooting for them. And you're, oh, this person's better though. They're better. And then you were like, actually, they killed somebody too. It's like, it's, it's just unbelievable how well, how good of a storyteller it was. And like, that was kind of the point of like what these showrunners were trying to do of like, hey, you think this is good, but we're going to keep reminding you how bad and how heartless these people are. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I was reading something. I can't remember if it was in my, in my devotional or on this book that I've been reading. Um, but I was, as all these shows were ending, as I was playing these video games, I was also like kind of reconnecting with like building up like the intellectual side of my faith again, like doing some more devotional reading and some prayer going along with it, right? Um, and this devotional said that we become what our perception of Christ is. Hmm. The, so, and, and like I heard that, and the thing that I realized is like the more that uh, scripture is a big way that I connect to God, and I, I have not been reading it as much as I would like to recently. And oh, over the last few months. And then recently I'm getting back into it. And I started realizing that like the more that I'm reading the word or like whatever, the more I'm going to mass, the more I'm participating in mass, mm -hmm. the more yeah. I'm around Christ, the more my decision-making wants to be more like Christ. The more I'm out of the, the word, uh, the more he becomes me and I do whatever I want. Right. Uh, We're like, mm -hmm. uh, so like we become what our perception of Christ. So sometimes my perception of Christ is Christ. Sometimes my perception of Christ is me and I'm trying to form him into my image. Right. So like a lot yeah. of my decision-making or like the first thoughts are like, this is what I should do. Or like if I was watching succession, Oh, this is what a shrewd businessman would do. I'm not going to be as heartless mm -hmm. as them, but I learned how to make this shrewd business thing. Or mm -hmm. I learned how to like win this situation. Right. And then I go to, 
like read the scriptures and I'm like, oh, actually that was me thinking yeah. and not mm-hmm. like the mind of Christ. Right. So, um, it was this like, like interesting balance and it happened over like my vacation of like, kind of like a refocusing and recentering on no, like Christ is Christ and I'm not in charge. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just an interesting little connection for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, even that, um, that style of writing where you're rooting for someone, then you realize that they're terrible. There's a lesson in that as well. You know, we like to say that evil people are monsters, but the more terrifying thing is, is that they're people. Um, you, you can't write them off as, um, I mean, they still you, you know, judge their evil actions and everything. But like the more terrifying thing is that regular people become evil. Right. And that's a trap that any of us can fall into. So, yeah, there's approachable moments or moments where you're starting rooting for that person it's because that's how complex a human being is that doesn't justify their evil anything they do but it is a terrifying sort of lesson in that so yeah um all right we'll close with this i got to find this little uh this little thing oh uh this comes from a book that i've been reading uh called get your life back by john eldridge i mentioned it last week and i've been i kept reading it so it's been something that's been on my mind so i want to share yeah, yeah. this one um it says that the negative parts of ourselves. So like a lot of times, like the, the things that I, where I'm not perfect when I realize that I'm not perfect or I haven't been making the right decisions or I've been acting more like Taylor and less like Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Usually my kind of go-to and I think yours as well is like self-hatred of like, ah, oh, I should be better than this. This sucks. Yeah, I'm course. an idiot. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gross. Right. <laughs> and, and this guy, John Eldridge, who used to be a Christian counselor. Now he's like a famous speaker and author. He says yeah. that the negative parts of ourselves are to be pitied and healed, not hated. Hmm. And I and it was just this really, I had this interesting response to it because he said not hated, which is my natural inclination of like, I suck. This is the worst. Why did I do that? I'm, I, you know, I'm so selfish or whatever, right? But I heard the word pitied and I'm like, well, none of us like to like ask for pity, right? And we know that they need to be healed. I think that's the more kind of consistent thing. Like, yes, I need to be healed in this, right? But the pitied thing was interesting. Because I like for whatever reason, I immediately went to like the track girls or track boys and girls that I coach of like mm-hmm. when they do something wrong, sometimes I'm mad at them. But for the most part, I'm like, I it's like a form of pity. It's like, I know that you're better than this and I actually want yeah. what's best for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And how often I do that for other people. And yet I don't do it for myself. Right. Yeah. So it's just this interesting thing of like the negative things in me. I I need to pity them and seek healing not be angry at them because that's actually going to help me move forward and grow. Yeah, it's it, that's great because it's being merciful to yourself. You know, uh, pity is a, a is a difficult word because sometimes it it implies a uh, um I kept I want I want to say condensation. That's not the word I'm looking for. Condemnation. Uh, condem- I, I, condemnation. I am condensating right now because it's so yeah. You heard condescension. <laughs> condes- condescension. Uh, yeah, condescending. Word? Condescending. condescending. It sounds condescending. Thank you. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I'm good at words. I do them all day. It's my job as a priest. Um, <laughs> it sounds like that, but that's so, so remove that from it. But it's absolutely true. You know, um, it's it's a merciful view towards yourself. And that's the way the father views us. You know, he doesn't hate us for our sins. He has mercy on us. It's part of that, like seeing that something bad has happened to his child and he wants to heal that thing. Um and that's something that uh, I preach about all the time. But like you said, it's very hard to do for ourselves. You know, uh, we'd rather enact justice upon ourselves than have mercy upon ourselves. But once you, the more and more you, you're able to do that, you, that's really the only way forward is to have mercy on yourself and let yourself go to healing. Thinking spiritual, letting Christ heal you, right? Right. Um, yeah. And because if you make yourself your own enemy, 
you're not going to go anywhere. I so so often in spiritual direction, I, I tell people, be merciful to yourself, be patient with yourself. Like God doesn't want you to punch yourself in the face all the time. Um, and I say that because I know that's exactly what I do all the time. Um, hopefully a little bit less than I did in the past, but still, right. Uh, I like that a lot. That's really good, really good advice. Yeah. It was, it was, it's been really helpful for me because like, yeah. so if, if you're listening to this and you've been like away from your prayer life or you've been away from mass, you've been away from confession and you've been feeling some of that like self-hatred, have a little pity for yourself, have a little bit of mercy for yourself. Uh, maybe even did something like build a brothel instead of a church. Like there's always mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. and no condemnation in the father. There's a lot of condensation on me. So we're going to take a quick little break and we'll come back. We're going to keep talking about uh, some of the things that John Eldridge said in his book, get your life back uh, that I've been reading and we're going to ponder together. Don't go anywhere. If you're a fan of the work that we are doing here at the podcast and with all of our events and all of the other videos and, and uh, all the production stuff that we are doing, we could use your help. Uh, we are a Catholic nonprofit. Everything that we do uh, is because of generous supporters like you. That rhymed. Did it rhyme or did I just use you twice? Anyway, uh, if you... <laughs> Now I'm like self-conscious of saying the word you over and over again. But uh, if you want to support the work that we're doing, you can do that at ForteCatholic.com slash donate. Uh, you can give a one-time donation if you're just feeling like, hey, here's some uh, money for the summer. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Or the backbone of how we do everything that we do is our monthly donors. So if you wanted to uh, give $10 a month, $25 a month, $100 a month, we have people doing everything in that range uh, and more and less and, er and everything everywhere in between. Uh, so we would really appreciate your support. We need your support um, here this year. ForteCatholic.com slash donate. Thanks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll. That is Father Anthony Sharapa. I'm going to attempt to make John Eldridge, the writer of the book Get Your Life Back that I've been reading, I'm going to attempt to make it connect to both uh, uh, both of our conversations that we've had so far. To video wow. games, to prayer, and to, uh, what, what did we just talk about? Fatherhood as well? Fatherhood, yeah. You go. Are you okay. going to do it? So here's what we're going to try. Uh, these these are just like this is we called this the grab bag from John Eldritch because it's just things that I wrote down while I was listening to the audiobook and may or may not have been driving my car. Okay, uh, awesome. I said two kingdoms are vying for my soul. There are two kingdoms vi vying for my soul. The carnival is offering relief, so like fun and pleasure and play, right, is offering relief. But nature was offering restoration. Relief is momentary, like checking out TV, snacks, video games, but restoration actually heals us, right? So. I realized that during my busy season, especially like during track season and work was still really, really busy. And it's been a stress, I mean, stressful month with the kids breaking their arms and all kinds of stuff. It was just kind of a crazy last like two and a half months. Right. And I did not feel restored almost any, any time. Right. I was exhausted. I was like going to bed and waking up more tired than I was the night before. And just feeling like my brain wasn't working. My eye has been twitching for like a month and a half, just like, very much lacking in restoration, but because I felt like I was drowning, I was grabbing for the relief things. I was yeah. grabbing for DoorDash. I was grabbing for video games. I was grabbing for watching TV. I actually went back and like I was eating a lot of comfort food and I was watching. I was doing something that I very rarely do, which I knew meant something was up, but I was like re-watching stuff. I went back and yeah. re-watched The Office and I went back and re-watched Superstore and now I'm almost done with my re-watch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. These like yeah. shows that I know have brought me joy and happiness in the past mm -hmm. because like I needed, I needed like the relief, right? And it was one of those things that's like, I needed it, but at the same time, it wasn't like restoring me like mm -hmm. a break, which like the, I was reading this book while on vacation, which like was restoring like 
I yeah. mentioned last week, it took me like a couple of days to get into the vacation. It took me a while to slow down, to start sleeping better, to start eating better, like, and then like connecting with God, you know, slowing down my life, like all that kind of stuff took a while and it was restoring. But I was, it was like this weird thing where it's like, I look back at the last two and a half months and I'm like trying to look at myself with some mercy and being like, there, I really didn't have time to do anything restorative. <laughs> I really only had time to do the, I, I didn't have time to eat a full meal. I needed to eat snack. Right. Yeah. So what do you think about that idea of the, the rest versus the restorative? Yeah. I think on a, on a natural level, it's, it's right on. I think there's, cause he even uses the term nature to describe the restorative part. Um, the carnival I think works for both spiritual and, and natural. So a lot of times our quote unquote relaxing or our quote unquote leisure isn't a turning towards, um, redemption or turning towards restoration it's a turning away from the things that make us sad right um the video games the food it's kind of like flooding our senses um so that we forget the bad stuff for a moment not just forget the bad stuff but there is pleasure in doing those things so it's a quick kind of fix for that but the underlying tiredness is going to remain and yeah you may not have time uh, in those hectic moments to have a good meal or to cook for yourself or to get a full night's sleep we have those seasons in our lives whether they be a few days or sometimes much much longer um and those natural things are good for your human person to to do and it's important to try to make time for those and those things can be restoring spending time with family all that good stuff um but i think to add a spiritual level to it there's always time to be restored in christ um there is always time for prayer a lot of times we just fill it up with the carnival i'm i'm speaking this like this is basically my description of <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the show, you know, I've been very busy in a lot of ways. I've been running to the carnival right afterwards and not as much to prayer. Um, and which it keeps you in a state of constantly being tired. You know, that's a lot of reasons why I feel tired right now um, is because going to the carnival, going to those things, um, it's momentary relief, but it doesn't heal anything. So you just stay tired. Believe it or not, playing video games at three o'clock in the morning on your day off does not make you feel better about life the next day. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so it I does till three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, spend the rest of your next day recovering. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of that makes a lot of sense and, and is good. Both, I think, you know, he's going for a more natural level there, which is good, worthwhile. But also, there's a spiritual aspect to that, I think, as well. Well, it's just the beginning of the book. He, 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 uh, purposely, I got to like chapter nine, which is like halfway through yeah. the book. And that's where he mentions like the gospel. <laughs> like, oh, he's just sneaking it. Jesus which, which, in. It's a sneaky Jesus. He's sneaking well, around. I mean, he's a famous Christian author, and like, yeah, it's not like he's. But it was just really interesting, and I actually really appreciated it. He said, I, "I'm doing this now on purpose because if you picked up this book, you probably weren't ready to hear it. And if I started yeah. with it in chapter one, you probably would have tuned out. But like, you needed to do. He, we needed to do like the natural things of slowing down and getting rid of the gunk so that yeah. we could be." restored and i just yeah. thought it was really interesting and like actually really helpful how yeah there's nothing wrong with that approach that's that's a good approach when you're approaching apologetics and evangelization in a lot of ways there's nothing wrong with that yeah um sneaky jesus the it, this thing was interesting too because there was actually a different version of this kind of popular in the news the catholic news this week and i don't know yeah. how much you know about it or how it, how much you kind of tracked it but uh when this week when i say active loving god or passive loving god what do you think about I'm trying to see if you're caught up in the news cycle. 
Oh, uh, was this something? No, I don't. I don't know. Okay, so uh, it's it's not what we're talking about, but I I okay. thought it was really interesting timing. Essentially, a, a bishop was kind of going against the Eucharistic Congress thing, like the Eucharistic revival thing, oh, and saying that adoration okay. was passive. Yeah, so yeah, adoration yes, was, was passive, and like, yes. yeah. and that like you know yeah, we should be doing it's more very action it's very dated theology to be perfectly honest, and it's frustrating. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just thought that was really interesting, and I just didn't want to like not address it because I, yeah. like we're not going to. But I didn't want to be, like bring this up. People like be like flipping out and being like, "We just talked about this." Like I, I know, and it made me angry. And I don't want to talk about it because I'm trying to move forward yeah. to the restoration. Stay focused. <laughs> but um, in in John Elder's version of this, this one hit me like a ton of bricks. This was I was listening to this um, on a walk after vacation, right? Which uh, was funny. You said like you know, uh, doing certain things. We think it like you know, relaxing. We think it's going to make us less tired, but it or yeah. stressed and actually make us more. It was funny because like they always say like with working out, it's like a trick of like I don't have energy, so I can't work out. But if I had more energy, I could work out, which would therefore ha- help me have more energy, right? Right. Which I think is a sham, because uh, just <laughs> just this week I played basketball for like two and a half hours last mm-hmm. Monday. I woke up Tuesday feeling great. I had so much energy Tuesday and Wednesday. And then yesterday, two days ago, I went on a really long walk around my neighborhood and I was exhausted for two days after. So <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's at, at my age, I think it's a uh, uh, kind of shot in the barrel, whether it's going to be good or bad, but yeah, I was listening to this on the walk and it said, um, it was talking about an active loving of God versus a passive loving of God. And what he meant was like a lot of us, especially those of us who have like been in the church a long time, can be like, oh yeah, I love God, and then like not do anything about it, right? right? Sure. And I think that's kind of the rut that I was in for a while. It's like I love God, and sure, I love Him, and I'll go do this ministry thing, and I'll I'll uh, edit all his podcasts, uh, every podcast in the Catholic world, and I'll uh, you know make make this or whatever. Um, but I don't, I wasn't really doing anything to like actively love God, like to like go to things that I used to do a lot, like worship, like mm-hmm. get out my guitar and worship or like worship with a worship song or like go to adoration, which ironically enough was the, the whole passive and active thing. But it's yeah. like, I was like, I need to make the active choice to love God. And like to say, like he said, it can even be simple as pausing the book and saying, God, I love you. Like just taking mm-hmm. the active thing of like, it's not just something of like, yes, God, you know that I love you. Right. But like, no, like the active, like yeah. I'm going to take a step either internally, mentally, or like physically, like go to a church or go to adoration or go to confession or whatever. And I need to take this thing that, that might've become passive in me and take action on it. I liked that a lot. Yeah. That's actually really good. I mean, even on like a, a basic, like relational level, you know, if you'd never tell your spouse that you love her, like, ah, don't worry. She knows it's like, well, right. you gotta say it sometimes, right? <laughs> that's an important part of the relationship. You have to do things right. Um, so yes, that's absolutely because I can fall into that rut. It's, I think it's very easy for priests to fall into that rut where it's like, yeah, I say mass, I do the things, but it's not like consciously. It's like it's just going through the motions of those things instead of like really paying attention to where you are and who you're doing it for, um, and going to prayer, not just you know having your eyes scroll over bravery, but actually praying it. You know that that's a it's a huge difference, and we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're doing the right thing when really we're just kind of growing more distant from God with that kind of passivity. You made me, than adoration. You you just built a whole a whole new segment for us that's probably going to last for a while. Do you remember right. who Zig Ziglar is? Do you know who he is? Like 50 years really popular yeah. like 15 20 years ago. He's uh yeah. he, he was a Christian pastor. Uh, I think he was a youth pastor and then became a pastor and then kind of like John Elders became like this like uh, okay. He was a leadership and business guru, guru, so a little bit different than John. But he was like 
really popular in like the church leadership, but also in like real business leadership. Like real sure. businesses would bring him in for for leadership. But and all of his stuff, um, like when he was in church, he would be a little bit more overt about talking like this is Christian belief and this is Christian doctrine. But like when he'd go into the business world, he, he might mention it here and there, but it's all just like truth, right? Like truth yeah. is truth is truth. So it came from his Christian upbringing. But it was funny you mentioned, you know, like the the whole. Th- comparing it to like with my wife right well mm-hmm. zig's uh idea was he always said um how, how often should you tell your wife you love her and the answer was before someone else does <laughs> <laughs> that's really good <laughs> it's like you know so if you're just a, a husband and you're just assuming that she knows that she loves you and mm-hmm. the the neighbor next door keeps saying it over and over again at some point it might swing <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Very funny. Mm. Um, let's do a couple more of these. I, I, I've got I've got some more of the book, but we'll close out today with this one. Okay. Um, let's do this. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this one. Someone else's bad theology does not give you permission to not act like Christ toward them. <laughs> Tell that to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, dude, this this drives me insane like it's it's one of my one, it's one of my pet peeves i added a sentence after that was it was kind of this interesting uh, thing that it, it made me think of right he said uh, this realization that jesus was bringing new theology to almost everyone that he met yeah because like the jews had this understanding of this is this is the ways of god and jesus was saying yes but also this you yeah, have heard right, it right. said but this right and yeah. You know, there's going to be a warrior king, but here I am, and I'm going to go die here pretty soon, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it was new, and, like, that's what we're talking about when it comes to, like, arguing about Catholic theology or, like, Catholic versus Christian or Catholic versus atheist or whatever, right? Um, Especially with, like, the Catholic Catholic versus Catholic or the Catholic versus Christian, we're talking nuance, like Jesus was changing theology nuances from – he wasn't bringing a new religion, but he was just, like, getting back to the heart of Going to fulfillment of it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so it was just this interesting thing of like whenever we are sharing our theology, which we all think is correct, right? <laughs> Otherwise we wouldn't Absolutely. be arguing about it. Like Especially everybody thinks they're right. Reverend uh, sir. <laughs> Reverend sir. Reverend sir. I, I beseech thee, hear me. Um but yeah, so let, let's all that being said, what do you think about someone else's bad theology does not give you permission to not act like Christ towards them? But what if they have bad theology and they're a jerk face? Can I be bad towards them then? That seems reasonable. Uh, let me let me check the gospels. Um, no, no mention of <laughs> oh, jerk faces dang in it. the gospels. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a tough thing. It, and it's also sometimes you will miss out people's bad theology. Sometimes it's also just ignorance, and we start lashing out at them, and they just don't know. You know, they're not even. But even if they're proposing bad theology, it's like it is still our job to love them, and you know, correction can and should come, but. If it's not coming from a loving place, then it's not going to work because truth and love can never be separated because both truth and love are Jesus Christ. And how dare any of us try to split up the body of Christ by saying something true, but without love or trying to say something loving without truth. You can't do it. Um, so it's it's. Yeah, no, I agree. With that. That's a that's a great sentiment. It's not even a sentiment. It's a, a good principle to to have. Um and yeah, especially and it, if you're very online, it's uh, something we should uh, live by for us who are very online. Yeah. Uh, what you just said made me think because you, you it was interesting. I was like, I was already making a connection in my mind, and then you made a different one. You you no. made like we can't se- separate Christ, like we can't cut Christ in half, right? Yeah. But I was already thinking about like what is 
Christ is love personified. I was thinking about the greatest commandment, right? And I never really, really connected it to this, right? Like to where I think a lot of times we always have to be doing both of the great, both parts of the great commandment. Yeah. Love God and love neighbor. So I can't be unloving to my neighbor, uncharitable to them because I'm trying to defend my God. Right. And I can't be unloving to God and do whatever I want to or with my neighbor, right? Um, we always have to be doing both of those things. And I think as Christians, maybe for the most part, I think a lot of us err on the side of like, I'm going to love God and screw my neighbor or whatever. And destroy right? my neighbor, <laughs> right, crush right, him so. under my heel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, Jesus himself does this very explicitly. When he's asked what's the greatest commandment, he gives the first two. That's how right. linked they are. When Christ says, what's the greatest commandment? To love God. And the second is like it. Like he, he's not asked, he's not asked for the first two. He's asked for the first one. But he at, he makes sure to say both because they're both essential. Um, and, you know, I think it's somewhere in the letter of John, like you cannot hate God. You cannot hate your neighbor and love God. You're a liar if you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is oh, tough news for us because. Man, it's way easier to hate people, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's it it's really like, is. oh, uh, it can be so much fun to dunk on people online. Oh my goodness, uh, winning arguments, uh, sweet nectar. But you have to yeah. like go of that stuff and actually face the cross in love for this other person. Uh, face the cross, use the block. That's how I survive online. <laughs> yes, sometimes sometimes blocking is fine too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. I've got more. On, I, I'm really enjoying this book. We'll probably finish up my uh, yeah. my, my thoughts on 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 his book as I I've, I probably have like an hour and a half left on the on the audio book. I'll probably finish it before uh, record next week. But um, we'll also we're also I I you just unlocked something for me. I have like entire pages. You thought the text I sent you about today's show was long. Yeah. I have Zig Ziglar notes that go like, I mean. Like pages and pages and pages and pages yeah. of these little axioms. And I think it'll be a really fun thing for us to do here. You just yeah. invented a whole new segment for us. Thank you. And I don't have to plan for segments for the rest of the There summer. we it's go. Great. It's a win for both of us. <laughs> it really is. Well, uh, that's our show for the day. Next week, I, I think we're, uh, Allison's going to be back. I think we're going to be talking about her trip to Greece and uh, walking in the footsteps of St. Paul. We all know how she feels about St. Paul. So we're going to ask if she's changed her mind on that at all. But uh, for now, this is a very fun show. Thank you, Father Anthony. My pleasure. My pleasure. Reverend Sir Ass, it's been a pleasure. I'm Taylor Schroll. <laughs> That's Reverend Sir's Father Anthony Sharabra Scaramucci is going to go sign some checks, hopefully in some new ways. I'll be back next week. He'll be back in a month. See ya. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching and listening to today's show. I hope that you enjoyed it. We had an absolute blast. I'm never going to forget uh, this episode because of all the new nicknames that Father Anthony has. Uh, so, yeah, if you did enjoy it, uh, again, please hit that subscribe button. It really does help us out. If you're listening on audio, please leave a review, especially if you're listening in Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten a new review in quite some time, and that just helps other people to find the show. Uh, over on YouTube, we, are, we have about 3,000 of the 4,000 watch hours we need to become partners with YouTube, which means we 
could have a little bit extra money floated our way from the good folks at Google, but also uh, YouTube would then start promoting our videos to more viewers. So if you want to check out some of the videos that we have going on over there, not only do we have full-length episodes of this show, we've also got Alison Sullivan's podcast, Interstate Sister. We've got our Catholic Perspective series where we go through uh, some of our favorite things from pop culture and, and through a, looking at them through a Catholic lens. We've got our Catholic Foundation series, which is a 10-week course on like the basics of Catholicism, everything that every Catholic needs to know. So whether you're new to Catholicism or you uh, just want a refresher, that's essentially what we're doing for our parish, and we know that you guys can enjoy that all as well. YouTube.com slash Catholic. Please hit subscribe. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you very soon. Love you.